uh, I, um, I'm trying to figure out how to get to, uh, what, um, I've been thinking about because I know to, to me, let me just start here. Lord, help us. Um, Lord, it's not just about listening. Uh, it's not just about going to church. Lord, you're real. You do things in people's lives. And, um, that's really, that's really what we want, Lord. We want you to be genuinely you among us. Touch people, give them, Lord, dump that, uh, Lord, that love of God that transforms. Lord, the cure-all for every human ill, which is the love of Jesus, the love of God. Lord, we just ask that you would just, just help us and help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I'm going to flounder around today. That's my faith level. So um, let me start floundering. I have this uh, this verse I've been thinking about. Let's read this together. And for those of you who are new or those of you who are reluctant, um, we're going to say this out loud, which means words come out of your mouth. Here's my theory. How many people, if you were going to be honest, and I really don't expect you to be, but I'll ask the question anyway, how many of you just don't read the Bible that much when it comes right down to it? And so um, I like for all of us to read the read these and, and, and hear the word of God. Because the Bible's not like any other book. It really isn't. It, um, the words in that book touched by the Spirit of God are transformational. They really are. They really are. And so let's read this. Why don't, why don't, uh, why don't you stand up? It'll help you somehow. I'm not sure how. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. Now, that's, that's not a description of our church. I'm not quite sure how that fit in there, but okay. Because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people my chosen. Okay, you can you can grab a seat there. Um, the Lord is speaking to me about this particular verse of Scripture, and one of the interesting things to me is um, this this word is not. That's cool, right? That's four-year-old level right there. That's like a crayon in a piece of paper and you eat glue. You know what I'm saying? You'd have to grow up my generation to understand eating glue. But um, here, here's the idea. Actually, I've made a serious tactical error. I have a <laughs> – this is not quite ready for primetime preaching right here, folks. I hope you're – Okay with that. This one right here. Did I get that right, Andy? You know what I'm getting. Yeah. So it says, I'll even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Actually, here's the way it should read. I will even make a road where? 
in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Now, here's the idea behind that. The river makes the road. You see, that's not talking about, I'm going to do these two things. I'm going to give this road, and beside the road is going to be a river, and you can ride in your car, or you can get in a boat. No, 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 no. Here's, here's what the Lord is saying through this verse of Scripture. He is saying, um, I want you to, in this difficult place, I want you to be able to progress beyond where you are. So I'm going to give you a road. But here's how I build the road. I send a river. Now, still that may not make sense. The river speaks of the Holy Spirit. And every legit breakthrough comes this way. The Spirit of God does something in somebody's life or in some group of people's lives. And because he does, encouragement, vision, faith, emerge, and they find, even in that place where there was nothing, not only something, but a way. They find a way where there was no way. Because God's going to do this. He's going to send a river. I believe he's going to do this nationally. Let me just go on. I'm going to stick my neck out partially. I believe the United States is in for a national Spiritual renewal. I really do. And I believe what happens first is the Spirit of God does some things, but there, there are problems when He does. It can be hard to recognize, or it cannot be, um, the way you like it. Okay? Now, Let's let's do this now. We'll go back to uh, what I was going to originally start with, but the Lord uh, interrupted me this morning with that thought about the river makes the road. Let's say that together. The river makes the road. The invisible thing has to happen first so that the visible, structural, solid thing can happen next. Man, that is so good. If you could hear what I'm saying. The things that we see come from things we don't see. That, that was, you know, that was so good too, man. It's, you know, it's just the four of us up here. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and me. And I'm like David. I don't require your encouragement. I'm good enough all by myself to do it. But here's what happens when you, if you can understand this, here, here's what really goes on. Everything God has looks pitiful initially. It looks worthless or it looks inadequate or it looks wrong or it looks odd. But it never looks like, I say never, that's too strong a word. It seldom looks like what we've expected and what we think is really just going to make us happy. 
I heard a guy say recently about current generation, and that includes everyone in the room, the current generation, it's not that they don't know how to think. It's that they confuse thinking with feeling. And people think because they feel a certain way, therefore, the way they think is right. But thinking and feeling are two different things. How many times in my life have I met God in a way that I didn't think I wanted because of the way it felt when I was feeling something that my thinking was going to have to change about? Man, if I could speak English, I'd make that make a lot of sense. Just because you feel like America is getting ready to get flushed down the toilet has absolutely nothing to do with reality. It's just what you feel. Now, I'm not supporting anything or anybody by saying that. I'm simply saying this. If you're going to live by the way you feel instead of by what you think, i.e. accurately believe, you will be misled over and over and over again. You have got to get in touch with the hidden realm of the truth of God so that you can begin to trust what you feel. If you are despondent, if you're in despair, if you are afraid, you are delusional. Yeah, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. Now, hopelessness is a delusion. Now, that's good news, bad news. Good news is you don't have to be hopeless, but bad news is you got to change your mind about some stuff. And that takes humility. Now, Isaiah 53 is such an unbelievable uh, verse, or, or, you know, it's so much about the Lord Jesus. But it goes this way, who has believed our report? And that's what it always comes down to. Whose report are you going to believe? Let me, let me tell you this. If you think you can trust CNN with your emotional well-being, you, my good friend, need a sharp kick in the shin. There's only one source you can trust for your soul, and it's in the B-I-B-L-E. But you have to have an accurate understanding. And there are a lot of weird people that read the Bible that get a lot of crazy stuff. But at the end of the day, if you're not happy, what you've got is bad eggs labeled good eggs. What you've got is what you think's right, but because of the condition of your soul and because of the way it ultimately makes you feel, it can't be right because the gospel is not adequate news. It's good news. When you believe the gospel the way it's supposed to be understood and believed, it will break off of you depression and remorse and frustration and fear and wounding and all of those things because it's good news. It's good news. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall absolutely make you tank. No, you believe the truth. Here's the evidence that you believe the truth. You're free. You're a free individual. You're not subject to any kind of other people's peer pressure or bondage or emotional turmoil or distress, no matter how close or how responsible they are for your life. You can be a free moral agent. And when I say free, I don't mean you can just cock your snoot at everything you're supposed to do right 
and just do your do what you do whatever you want. Now I'm talking about that internal kind of freedom which is contagious, which breaks other people free. That's what the gospel offers us. If you don't have that, you got a partial gospel. You you have to really question what it is you have concluded. I'm preaching to me right now. I don't care if anybody else listens. And when I get through and get put it on the Internet, I'm going to go listen to this again because this is really, really good. But you have got to understand how God operates. He does not. The reason Jesus came the way he came was to let the world know God is not the way you think he is. He's the way he is. Oh. Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And then it gives this description of Jesus. Not Jesus on the cross, Jesus in his humanity. You find Jesus on the cross in Isaiah 52 and later on in this chapter. But when you read this part, for he should grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground, what you see there is he grew up under terrible circumstances, but because he grew up before him, he grew up green and fresh and alive. But he had some problems. He has no former comeliness. He didn't look like much. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. Nobody liked the way Jesus looked. He did not have this radiant, sparkling gleam. You know, when he smiled, a star and a flash of lightning did not pop off the top incisor. You understand what I'm saying? You couldn't pick him out of a crowd. Now, I've got good Bible right here. I, you know that you may think, don't, don't be talking ugly about Jesus. I'm not talking ugly about Jesus. I'm agreeing with what God wrote about Jesus. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. Let's go further. And he is despised and rejected by men. Welcome to the world of Jesus. People did not, it's not like they didn't like him. They didn't think anything of him. He, he had no natural benefits other than being born in a Jewish family and being the son of God. Other than that, he had nothing. <laughs> That's really funny right there. <laughs> now, let me, let me make some real points. You, you have to appreciate, now I'm, this is going somewhere, this is going to be so meaningful to you if you really listen to me. The lowly and unattractive beginning Jesus had is remarkable. He, he was barely born when a king tried to kill him. Welcome to Jesus' world. When he was born, the nation was enslaved and degraded. So he's born in these times. The, 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 the uh, age was corrupt, had very little character. And then you come and look at Jesus. There was nothing in Jesus' appearance to make people desire him. There was nothing about Jesus particularly attractive to people. There was nothing in his outward appearance to attract or delight people. Some, some commentators, now some of this is so scary, I'm going to blame it on some other guys. The impression of his appearance was repulsive. His associates were not men of authority. 
He was, and, and this is in the words of one of the great students of the Bible, he was a last place man. Martin Luther, you know, the Lutheran church leader, he translated these verses. They estimated him at nothing, at no value. Now, but here, here's the thing we have to really pay attention to because everything I just said about Jesus has tremendous positive effects on us. He was everything I said. He went through everything I just told you about. He looked, according to Isaiah 53, like what I have just described. But he was the most well adjusted person in all human history. He was the most secure person in all human history. What am I saying? I'm saying this. He was that way because of his dad. You see, he, he, I mean, come on, how many of us, man, we count on our looks, I'm, I'm not saying I do, but I'm the universal we. You know, we count on our looks, our shape. I, I'm not saying I do. I'm just universal here. We count on who we know. We count on our personality. We count on our academic record. But see, Jesus, Jesus didn't live that way. He counted on one thing. His dad. He counted the one thing, his dad. That was enough. It wasn't enough. It was more than enough. He counted on his dad. The love he knew that his dad had for him made him every single thing he needed to become. Now, I believe this. I believe when he um, weathered that first almost 30 year period of time and he went to and and the holy ghost came on him the thing that you hear ring out from the heavens is you are my beloved son in whom i am well pleased and so jesus knew the pleasure of his father to the degree that he was unconcerned and not dependent on any of those other natural attributes to make himself successful. Now, here's the problem. In, In the very person of the Savior comes someone we would not necessarily admire or esteem. Okay, then, then how did, how did he basically provide salvation for the world? Was it through miracles? No, but he did them. You see, the problem Jesus had was when he came, even the people that were reading the book and looking for a Messiah didn't like the way Jesus came. Now see what you're, what I'm trying to put to you here is, um, you, you have to be able to see through what everybody else accepts to get beyond where you are right now to the next place. You you have got to see rejections, disappointments. 
you have got to see them as um, just a little bit of a mist. And you've got to be able to see through over on the other side and see there's your dad smiling at you saying, the only failure in the world is the person that doesn't get back up. You're looking over to his face and he's smi- his smile, his smile is so broad that it lights you up. Matter of fact, you have got to be a see-through-er. You, your gaze has got to penetrate, um, you have got to penetrate this sort of a dimension to reach into that spiritual dimension of the presence and the power of God. And when you can begin to do that, when you can begin to get in touch with the presence and the spirit and the power of God, what Jesus himself is and what he's provided, he will begin to release to you a resource, a temperament, a personality, call it an anointing, an enabling. He will begin to rearrange your circumstance, your situations. He will move heaven and earth out of your way to enter into the thing he called you to before you were ever born. But you You can't just sit back and take everything as the status quo. If you believe like everybody else believes, you're going to be like everybody else is. You know, church, come on, church is weak. Come on, church is sorry. Come on. You you know, look at this crowd, would you? Come on. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying this. Um, here's the other side of it. How many of you have heard that 50% of every marriage, Christian or non-Christian, end in divorce? Raise your hand if you heard that statistic. Come on, wave at me. Well, it's not true. 50% of non-Christian marriages end in divorce. But 75-plus percent of Christian marriages where people simply attend church. And I'm not trying to get you to come here to church, please. I'm doing something for you. I'm not trying to do something for me. I don't care where you go to church. Just go. Really. Really. But 75-plus percent of marriages where both people are regular attendants of churches make it. Make it. Don't divorce. Make it. By coming to this little weak, stupid looking thing and sitting in a chair and looking. <laughs> now, is that all there is to it? Of course not. You know, you, you've got to develop relationships with people. There's no magic to walking through the doors. But you're going to do better off walking through those doors than plenty of doors you could be walking through. Come on, this is so good. This is genuine. This is rich. This is original. It's not really original, but no. Because the guy had said to me recently, he had been through some things. I really felt bad for him, so I took him to lunch. He, he had come to the church for a while, didn't come anymore. You know, people, I'm a big boy. You just got to make, my daddy used to say, son, you got to, I was going to marry this dear woman in the back. I said, Dad, what do you think? He said, well, getting married, son, you uh, you make your choices and you take your chances. And what he meant was everybody has to stand or fall based on their own choices and decisions in life. And that's the way I look at everybody. It's, it's your choice, not mine. 
But, but this, this fellow said, I don't really see the reason for being in some organization, organization like that. So I pulled out the 75% rule. And then I said this, look at the people you're associating with. That's who you are. That's what you, where you're going. You're going to become whatever it is you're doing. You got to make up your mind if that's who you are and that's where you want to go because that's the way you're headed. And don't think you're not. Don't think you're not. But see, we, we need a heart for God. We really need, we need to need a heart for God. I actually said to a guy lately and, and, and I'm, this is pretty rough, but he was struggling with things and he was wishy-washy, mealy-mouthed. And I said, listen, bud, get in or get out. He said, what? I said, be a Christian or don't be one. Get in or get out. I wasn't talking about church. I was talking about Jesus. Get in or get out. Make up your mind. Quit fooling around. You straddle that fence long enough. When you slip, it will be very, very painful. Get the imagery? Come on, real life. I think a little, no, I can say that. My wife's going to get me. But sometimes you have to understand. Make a decision. Make a choice. Be a man. Be a woman. Grow up. Make a choice. Quit playing both sides. Go all in one way or the other. Either be one hellraiser or be a saint. Come on. Make up your mind. Don't go come around here mealy-mouthing with me and blah, blah, blah. And now, I'd already spent two times being really sweet to the guy, and that wasn't working. So I'm, uh, I unloaded on him, and I didn't hit him as hard as I could have. But I was doing it for his benefit. And I don't usually talk that way to people. Sometimes you got to get through. I, I know a lot of people don't like this, but I, I believe hell's real. I believe it's a real place. You know, it's it's so every you know there's so many people buying into this universal concept. I don't. Jesus talked about it. And what I'm saying is, and maybe my concept of it's not right or wrong, that's not up to me. I don't even care. All I know is this. Our choices and our decisions have consequences. They really do. And if you can't see through the veil, if you can't see through media, if you can't see through news, whatever it is that influences you the most, if you can't see through that, you are already on your way into more trouble than you can afford. Because the way God builds a road is he sends a river. He does something invisible to establish something permanent. You are sitting in a road God has made because I fell into the river of God years ago and kept going back. I built a road in this place because I found a river. And it's not just me, but you know, this is tangible. This, This is brick and mortar. This is a real thing, a real place. But this real place came.
came out of an invisible desire God put in my heart and put in John Mark's heart and Eric Hurtsing's heart and the Woodfans and a number of different people that helped us start this. We saw something that didn't exist because we had been in a river. We had drunk from a heavenly realm. We had been touched by God Almighty. He gave us a vision and the vision was a river and the river has become a road and people will walk on the road that river has created as long as we drink, as long as we can see the reality of our God. That's right. And when we quit, this old place dry up, shrivel up, and they'll be building conveyors in it again before you know it. Come on. Now, Jesus... Oh, let's just talk about Jesus. How wonderful is Jesus? He's wonderful. When I said all that, Lord, I wasn't being mad and I wasn't putting you down. I just was reading Isaiah. I really was. You really, I've known you now to be the most wonderful person I've ever met in my life. Jesus, that's who you, oh, the dearest, the tenderest, as many stupid things as I have done since I met Jesus 45 years ago, he has never one time spoken to me harshly, although he has corrected me. Even his rebukes had a sweetness to them, something that made me want to be ashamed of my behavior and change because he's so wonderful. He, he really is. And then he has given me encounter after encounter. I've got a notebook of 25 of my classic greatest encounters with Jesus hits. If you hang along, if you hang around long enough, God's going to jump you good. He is. He's going to jump you good. He might jump. He might, it might be like a thief in the bushes in the middle of the night, jumping you to do you good, not jumping you to jumping you to do you good. I love it when God smacks people because when God smacks people, they get up different. They get up happy. They get smacked, depressed. They get up happy. I like whatever God does to anybody, whenever, wherever, however. He, he is under the impression that he's God. But here's what happens. Here's what we have to fight against. The disciples had spent these years with Jesus. They had seen, they knew him. John would say, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. That was how he described himself five times in his gospel. They knew they knew he loved him. They saw how good he was. They saw how kind he was. They saw how happy he was. Jesus, the most joyful man ever lived. He was acquainted with grief, man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, but his anointing was joy and gladness. Said so he had the uh, oil of gladness. He knew the most essential oil was gladness. I'm not saying the only essential oil, but I'm saying the most essential oil was the oil of gladness. They knew him that way. And even with knowing flesh and blood Jesus, touch him, eat with him, him cook you fish. Even with flesh and blood Jesus, here's what the disciples would say to him one day. Oops. How do I? Help. Lord, show us the Father and it's sufficient for us. Now, here's what they were really saying. They were really saying, Jesus, we know you're good, but we don't know about your dad. 
We know you're good. We're not sure about your dad. But they'd seen Jesus long enough that they began to feel like maybe his dad is as good as he is. And so they were saying, show us the father and it's sufficient for us. And sufficient means, oh, well, I thought it was here. Here it is, yeah. Sufficient means we will be possessed with unfailing strength. And Jesus simply said, Philip, have I been so long with you? And you haven't known the Father. He says, if you want to know what he's like, you just look at me. And if you read the fruit of the Spirit, that's Jesus' personality. He had all of them in spades. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all of them. And he was the exact replica, if you want to put it in those terms, of his dad. So if you want to know what God the Father's like, don't go look in the Old Testament. Look in Jesus. He's the most accurate depiction of who God the Father is. He's the one that dies for his enemies. I mean, if he loves his enemies, he's bound to love me. I mean, really, you know what I'm saying? See, if you see the worst, I'm not his enemy. Was at one point. But if you see the worst of who he loves, and you know you're not category, you got to go, wow, if he's loving those guys. I know he's loving me. But here's the problem with the love of God. you got to reach through the veil. you got to see beyond. You, you have got to ignore certain feelings and develop certain faith levels to conquer the way you feel. Because if you don't feel loved, you are feeling a delusional impression that is not from the heart of God. Wow. Come on. Now, here's what I want. Well, how do you get the love of God? Why don't you ask him for it? A couple weeks ago, we got everybody to come up forward that wanted to know more of the love of God. And I thought, man, let's just do that again. Andy, why don't you come up here? But let's read Ephesians 3 first. Together. Verse 16. Paul's prayer. Say this. This is Paul's prayer. Let me, let me say, who did Paul pray for? You should say me. Not me. You're me. This was his prayer for us. What that means is you don't automatically feel the love of God, although it's available and there. You may have to pray for it. You you may have to endure certain things to encounter that love that is will conquer every foe. You, you hear what I'm saying? You got to you got to realize in this realm that is so sensory oriented and your senses aren't all bad. It's just when they don't lead you to the right place, you got to change your believing and it'll change how you feel. That's so vital. That's so important. With the man heart believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In other words, something that goes on in your hidden place in your heart will actually change something externally 
in your life. There it is. There it is again. There's the picture again. There's the river that makes the road. There's the little thing that makes the big thing. There's the hidden thing that makes the obvious thing. But if all you do is pay attention to the external realm, you're going to be a very frustrated believer. You need to love the mystery. We were going to read this, and I got uh, I interrupted myself with preaching. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. Length. Stop there. Stop there. Okay. To know how many dimensions? Four dimensions. So this is not earthly. We live in a three-dimensional world. And God God offers a four-dimensional love. What that means is that fourth dimension is the one that penetrates from his realm into ours by faith. You hear what I'm saying? We got length, width, height, but then he's got depth. What is that? You got a box you only got? No, no. See, he is in this other dimension offering us something called the love of God, which passes all knowledge and understanding from that other realm. You need to reach in and say yes to that. To know the love of Christ, which does what? Passes knowledge. That you may be all the fullness of God. I don't even know what that means. You can be filled with all his fullness. All the fullness God has, you can be filled with. Man, something's going to pop. Something's going to break when that happens. When the container, me, the container, you, when the human heart can contain something uncontainable, something's got to move. Something's got to break. Something's got to change. Something's got to bow. Something's got to shift. I saw in the spirit last night, I just remembered this, and I wondered what it was. I was in this place where everything, everything in creation started shifting. Started shifting. Listen, there's a shift coming, ladies and gentlemen. And that shift is going to transform whoever understands and reaches into what's shifting things. It's the Spirit of God. It's the river shifting things to make a road. When the Holy Ghost touches your life and you get encouraged, you will do things you never thought possible. You will walk in places you never thought possible. You will go where you're not even invited and take over because you have the... Listen, the stock market is based on confidence. There's something about encouragement and confidence that shifts society. It changes things. And it comes out of knowing who your dad is. Knowing the love of God will make you so confident. Oh, man, I just keep preaching. Now let's do this. We're going to... We're gonna we're going to pray a prayer. But I want you to come up here and pray it. I want our I want our lead, our prayer teams to come up. And the prayer is about receiving love of God on a, on a higher level. The prayer is about reaching through. Listen, 
If you want God to, another opportunity for the love of God to touch you, I just want you, if this is you, no pressure, but get out of your seat and come up. Because we're going to pray. We're going to ask God for an impartation. And something so foolish, so ridiculous called the laying on of hands could transform your life. It's a God way that makes no sense. So here's the prayer. I'm going to tell you what it is first. Father, impart to me your love for me. Let me grasp the width, the length, the depth, and the height of your love to know the love of Christ according to the power that is already at work in my life. You see, you already have the love of God at work in your life. You're just so busy in the sense realm, you can walk right by it. How many want to pray that? Father, impart to me your love for me. Let's say that again. Father, impart to me your love for me. Let me grasp the width, the length, the depth, and the height of your love. Lord, I want to know the love of Christ according to the power that's already at work in my life. So, Holy Holy Spirit, we do, Holy Ghost, we just, Lord, by faith, we really do. We just, we go through that flat reality realm and we, we lay hold of your mercy and your loving kindness. Lord, we embrace you by faith. We say, come. Father, I ask that you would just touch people deeply, powerfully. Lord, I pray that you would give hunger and thirst to people for who you are. Lord, I know when you give hunger and thirst, it's because you give hunger and thirst for yourself that you want to release to us. Lord, we're hungry for you today. We're thirsty for you. Lord, we don't want to settle. We don't want to settle for all ideas, negativity. We don't want to settle for criticism. Lord, we don't want to settle for bitterness. We don't want to settle for anger. Lord, we ask for that transforming presence and power of the Holy Ghost. Come release the love of God. Wow, thank you, Lord. Lord, just let that come. Lord, we believe. We believe today, Lord, that you love deeply, deeply, profoundly, profoundly. Father, break through those thought processes today. Lord, break through those thought processes today, Lord. Lord, dissolve every high thing that exalts against you. Your true knowledge, Lord. 
Lord, bring that four-dimensional, inexplicable, beyond knowledge, love, power, now. We ask in Jesus' name, now. <laughs> oh, let it come, Lord, like a mighty rushing stream. Oh, thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you. Use your faith to thank the Lord for what He's doing, whether you feel it or not. Use your faith to thank Him. Just express gratitude to the, the glorious one. We thank you, Lord. of God. If you're feeling the presence of God, come on up here. Yeah, just come on up here. Don't, don't, don't. Yeah, just come on up here. There's something about you find the new wine in the cluster. There's something about really joining together. Yeah, just hold hands with someone by permission. Just begin to pray and release what God's doing. I don't know what it is. It's invisible. I've been talking about it all morning. Maybe you can't see it. Maybe you don't feel it yet. Doesn't mean God's not here. Touching, releasing, breaking off, empowering, healing, fresh visions coming now. Oh, yes, fresh visions coming now. I call the wind of the Spirit to blow trash and garbage out of people's minds. I call the wind of the Spirit now to blow trash, garbage, wrong believing, bad concepts, delusional ideas and thoughts. Blow! Blow, Holy Ghost! Blow, Holy Ghost! Ha-ha! This is a year of breakthrough. 2017 is our year for breakthrough.
say something that could sound a little bit crude, but it really is profitable. I have a prophetic friend of mine used to talk about the stuff that gets in our mind, in our soul. And it seems like such a ferocious beast. You know what I'm saying? It seems like it's so strong. But he said, Robin, you know, all you really need to do, whether it's things from the past, concepts, ideas, he said, Robin, you just got to flush it. He's talking about, you know, waste. Just flush it. Don't fight with it. Don't try to understand it. Just flush it. Just release it. Just release what troubles you. Just flush it, man. Don't, don't fight with it. Tell it to leave and it'll go. Just tell it to leave. You have control over your own body. You have your control over your own soul. So, Lord, we flush those things today, this uh, first portion of 2017. We flush all those bad ideas. We flush all the confusion, uh, all the disappointment, all the hurt, all the wound, Lord. We just flush those things. <laughs> we just release them. Oh, thank you. I believe there's an anointing for uh, healing for serious diseases. Actually, does anyone here need ministry for cancer? Anyone here battling that? I believe there's a real anointing for things like that today. Or heart conditions. Praise and all of the honor. 